I'm watching the new 90 days before the 90 days. Did you watch it? No. Oh, because you were excited, right? You're like waiting for it to come out. They released it already? Yeah, it's on Discovery Plus. Wow, they don't make you wait until 9 p.m. They release it the day of. Oh, is it? does it normally come out on Sundays? I think so. Oh. I don't know when anything, anything happens, you know? Just... Well, I think it, it. I think it's Sundays because I was looking for it previously and it wasn't anywhere and I did some quick research. But then some shows like Succession, which everyone loves, doesn't actually release until the time it airs. Oh, right. Everyone's really into Euphoria. Oh, yeah. If you like a lot of big dicks, Euphoria is great for you. Really? They show a lot of big oversized dicks on, of teenage boys. <laughs> oh, no. Like like Brady Brady. Yeah, the show is uh, supposed I'm to be. surprised they haven't shown that yet on this stupid fucking show. <laughs> they, they were all dicks this last episode. Well, one of them was fake. Yeah, Harry's. Obviously, <laughs> it was like purple. And it was huge. <laughs> it was huge. It was <laughs> too big. I missed it the first time. We were watching. I did too. I did too. We were watching and I didn't see it. And then I looked up the other guy's dick after. Right. The guy... Uh, who was the boyfriend of the woman downstairs? This isn't ninety yeah. day fiance anymore. You've you've yeah. you've brought us back to and just like that. In case anyone listening wants to know, <laughs> which yeah, it should just not be showing dicks on on TLC or whatever. That it should just on. be understood now that Autumn's going to take us and to to and just like that. But because there's nobody else watching it, and there's no, I don't have any other friends who are as invested as you are. Everyone's watching it. Go to you should go to the subreddit. You can really get I involved. I want to talk, though. I don't want to type. <laughs> I want to speak. Well, anyway. I have any friends that are into it. It's annoying. Anyway, yeah, I was looking that guy up, the boyfriend. Yeah. And then uh, then I saw that, you know, people were making a big deal that they showed two dicks in this episode. And I was, It was odd. I was caught off guard because like, where was the other one? And then when they said it was Harry, he's like, how did I even miss that? <laughs> like, I didn't. <laughs> it, it's so the show is so confusing. We've never seen a dick. No, it showed, sex in the city. It showed Richards briefly. They there was, did. They were skinny dipping. He and Samantha were skinny dipping, and I because I've I've paused it before. Oh, but barely. Not like this. No, no, no. Yeah, it was very quick, and it was like one frame of a close up, and then right a far shot of him diving into the pool. It's when she was on ecstasy or something. I think. Yeah, that made. And I think the they dance to that. But, uh, yeah. What was that song? Harry's big floppy silicone dick. I think it was CGI. It looked CGI. No, 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 because he really manhandles it when he's stuffing it back in his pants. Oh right. It's just a weird That's thing to even show a fake so one. Dark. Why show a fake one? Ugh. If he doesn't want to show his actual penis, then why do it at all? Is what I'm saying. Or use the camera to pretend that you it, that that the daughter saw it, or that they're afraid that the daughter saw it. Well, yeah, that that's what it, watching it the first time. I thought it was implied. Like I didn't need right. to see it. I don't care about seeing it. But yeah. having I went back it, to watch it to that to that part because I missed it the first time too. Yeah, so did I. Yeah, we went back and it's like what the this is fake. <laughs> In the pod, I guess there's a you know because the show itself. Every show has a supplementary podcast, the official podcast. They talked about it in that, that it was fake. What a wild. And then like Samantha just being just 
has no problem. Who? Samantha. Sorry, I meant uh, Miranda. Yeah, my God. Miranda, Miranda has no problem just <laughs> crushing the sweet, the sweetheart on the show. Well, apparently, if you're losing your hearing, you're also a fucking idiot. That's that's the correlation there. Well, you know, he he that actor is losing his hearing. And okay. So they wrote it into the show. And that's fine. But the yeah. fact that just because he's losing his hearing doesn't mean he's stupid. And the way he comes and off. And that he doesn't know how to fuck. <laughs> he was like, he was sexy. He was a bartender. He probably, I mean, he, he probably screwed more people than Miranda ever did. So he knows how to have sex. So when she asks him to finger her, he's not going to be like, oh boy, I don't know what to do. I can I, hold on. I got to wash my hands, Miranda. Oh, what? Do I put it in here? It's dry as a bone. <laughs> you know what he would have done? He would have spit on his fingers and done whatever he needed to do. He would be like, do you want to go get some lobe? <laughs> He's a sexy dude. I mean, I agree with you. Ugh. Yeah, why did they turn these people into... Well, anyway, going... God, it's so horrible. The other show that you mentioned... <laughs> Which is 90 got, Day Fiance? No, no, no. The other one. Oh. The, the people like. What's it called? I've only seen oh, a couple of Euphoria. Episodes. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of nudity. And these, these characters are supposed to be teenagers. Obviously, they're of age. But I thought there was yeah. something against the law of depicting nudity and people that were represented as being underage. Well, I don't think so. As long as you have a disclaimer saying that actors are, you know, because like I remember watching those like um, like anime porns. And it would say at the beginning that these people are all 18 years old, but they're all like, I am the cousin they are, like riding the bus and being cute and being students. Well, that show does really lean into nudity. And, you know, I was looking that up, not the nudity itself, but I was reading, <laughs> I was reading about it because it was strange for like a teen drama it's, it's right. featuring high school people. I was like, wow, it's this for is for adults. Yes. Yeah. But this is. You know, I, I was interested. I guess it's mm -hmm. for anyone. It doesn't have to be for adults. Like well, because you're saying a teen drama. Why would adults be interested? Well, it deals in teen with drama. what teens are dealing with. So is that for adults? Yes. I don't know. It's teens dealing with the issues of being a teen. Um, obviously, a lot mm -hmm. of people are watching it who aren't teens. But I came across, uh, you know, one subreddit where one guy was uh, hated watching it with his girlfriend because it made him feel inferior. Because they only, he said, the only normal sized penis they showed was of like some loser <laughs> and everyone else has giant ones. Well, how the turntables have turned because fuck you, dude. Oh, I feel inferior. What do you think that women have been feeling for their entire lives? Exactly. It is interesting that it's come to this though, where there there's a push and a movement to start showing more junk on screen. I mean, it is different because it is their genitals. Like no one, no one has been showing women's vaginas on TV or even like depicting them through shorts or like gray sweatpants. You know what I mean? For years and years, like women's breasts have been so sexualized. And it is, it's, it's kind of, it, it doesn't feel like exactly, pardon the phrase, tit for tat. Um, because it is a genital, you know? So I get why it's a little bit different. It's also but, easier to show though. It, there's yeah, a distinction. It's all outside. Women's are inside. Yeah, so it's a little easier to show too. They're not like spreading their lips. But then we're at the point where again they're showing fake ones. 
It's like, okay, right. just ask the actor who plays Harry, would you like to show your penis? No, not really. Okay, well, we don't need to. It just No, you don't. That, just, that shot did not need to be there. Just strange to me. It's like, well, grab the fake one. They should have had one dick. <laughs> you, you think there should be a limit? No, I don't. But I think if, if it's going to be fake looking. Like at the end of Boogie then, Nights? No, but that looked real. To but me. it was fake. Yeah, I know. But this one looked like purple. Gross looking. <laughs> it was so dark. Well. Was- anyway, the point is, is that I think, again, it's bad. It's badly done. It's just a badly done show. I think because if, if they asked the actor who plays Harry, do you want to show your dick? And he said, not really. Then you shoot it in such a way that you don't see it, which would track with the sort of um, up semi sort of up tight or buttoned up, I guess, uh, ideas of Charlotte. Right. So it would make sense that in her scene, we wouldn't see a dick, you know. Uh, but with the other person, I, I understand why the actor showed his dick, you know, like that. That should have been the only dick that we saw. The free-flowing, weird neighbor boyfriend guy. Well, like anything else with that show, is a lot of it's forced. It's just like, we're just doing it because we are going to do those things now. A mandate has been set. But anyway, every every podcast now, I know you want to do the supplementary podcast. Did you do the research? Did you ask around? Is this something that's <laughs> wanted and needed? Is it being Who done? Is it being done? You reach out to the audience directly. You do a, oh, right. you do outreach. Yeah. You do outreach and ask. No, I did not. I just feel like, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's demand for it. Though yeah. I though I understand watching. I don't know many other podcasts that are breaking it down and would have. I, I just don't know where they are. I mean, a lot of the ones you look up are Sex in the City related. Yeah, you follow podcasts, though. Maybe they're not there. Yeah. And just like that, <laughs> we were doing another podcast. Well, just for now. But nobody We could talk about 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> I feel like you should start a podcast empire. I would if I had a mini board that I need. Well, you don't actually need it right now. You just need that for guests. But if it's just you, obviously, you have all the tools. True, but I do need. want to start that podcast where I interview someone and I need that board. Yeah, yeah, okay. We'll but get you it. refuse to send to me. Mm, it's just going to the store. How do you ship it? I have to get a box. You just buy a box when you're there. Get those those boxes um, from the post office. They're free. Those like flat rate ones. Yeah, I have to get a box though. Then I have to go to the post you don't office. Have to, I just told you you don't have to get a box. You just go there. Well, I mean, you, you have to go to the post office way. and you have to find the box. The box is right there. There's a line. Yeah. I have to seal it. It's just, no, just so just, much work. Who do I sound like? I sound like someone. <laughs> Eric? <laughs> no comment. Welcome to One Topic, where we stick to one topic. My name is Autumn Fisher. My name is Greg Russ, and this week we are going to talk about And Just Like That. Yay! Just kidding. That's not going to happen. It's already happened way too much. There's never, it's never enough. It's, it's, 
We have to talk about it until we figure it out, which will be never. Which is fine, but it shouldn't all happen on this podcast because I don't know what percentage of the people actually give a shit. And I think that we've pushed the limits on it. So, you know, you do a one-off or you sprinkle it in here and there. But uh, do it too much, we're going to drive away our already dwindling audience. <laughs> Is it dwindling? I don't look at the numbers. No, it's not dwindling. It's it's held steady at a certain number for quite a while. Uh, oh, it, it doesn't seem to... It's gone up a little bit, too, but we're over three years in at this point. So I think we're pretty much maxed out, I would say. Yeah, until something happens. Unless, right? Like, until... Some, one of us is a guest on some other show that like really is popular and then everybody comes over to listen and then everybody loves, you know, like, well, that's the thing they come over stories like that. Yeah. They come over and listen and then all they hear is, and just like that talk and they never come back. <laughs> so that's, mm. that's something to keep in mind. We, I mean, we had huge numbers when there were moments of high drama between you and me and yeah. you know, you doing episodes talking about spraining your ankle and things like that. Um, finally shedding light on your life and things that were happening. Those shot through the roof, those episodes, but Should I guess more drama. I guess we weren't good enough outside of that to keep people around. <laughs> oh yeah. And boobs, boobs do well. I know we've, we've, yeah, as we've mentioned, boobs, uh, oh, probably, <laughs> probably the most listened to episode of all time. I could, uh, the show. <laughs> I mean, we could quickly do a search uh, we'll get to our topic, I swear. I do wonder what, at this point, the most oh, listened yeah. to episode is. And this is something, if I had known we were going to talk about it, I would have prepared. But now we have to stall as I look this up. And I don't even All right. Know. You know, I even if uh, people don't like the topics that we talk about, I listen to plenty of podcasts where I'm, I don't even watch the show they're talking about. I just like hearing pe- them talk about it because they're funny or... They'll say something awesome or, you know, I do have to say that. uh, And just like that, the one episode dedicated to and just like that wokeness died. uh, That's pretty decent numbers. Really? Yes. Okay. so maybe there is an audience, but it could have been the title. Also, this past week we were below average. I don't know what happened. I don't I don't know. I don't know what happened there. People New rat city is underperforming. (laughs) (laughs) The rat mafia has gotten to them. Autumn's nose is, through their wires. <laughs> Autumn's nose is having a midlife crisis. About average, consistency, uh, consistent with nice numbers. Nice. Where's Greg? The thing that you put together, where you, I guess, rambled. Yeah, rambled on for a few minutes. Only six hundred and ninety-five listens. That's not too bad. No. I guess it's pretty bad for how long it's been out. And <laughs> compared to the rest, it's yeah, it's below. Um, That's fine. Let's see. That's fine. I don't care. You think I care? Because I don't. How do you get to the the top episodes, though? I think you have to filter it or like um range it. Yeah, I gotta range it somehow. Where's this range thing? Here we go. Yeah. All time. Yeah, look at that. One month we had ten thousand. That was the high point. Wow, that's pretty good. The most listened to is, I don't remember which one this is. It's one entitled Autumn from February 22nd. Uh, Yeah, 3,200 listens. (laughs) It probably was like, first one was Greg. 
right? And then the next one was Autumn. Well, the Autumn is the most listened to. Then Art, surprisingly. Art has several thousand. And then Autumn minus Greg. And then Breasts. And then Polyamory. (laughs) And then Fetishes. And then what? Polyamory. And then Fetishes. And then Talking About Sex and Online Dating. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what people thought they were going to get in those episodes. I know. I don't either. It's, it's funny. Sex does sell still to this day, but it's it really like, does. even though we're drowning in it and it's everywhere and it's easily accessible and you're going to get something you know more satisfying than the two of us talking about it. Even if we go into great detail, I don't, I don't, it's a thing. What do you think you're going to get? It's like, Ooh. well, I mean, it's, I, if you're if you're talking about like the simplest of brains, then yeah, I understand. But if it's people that you've you feel like you know and that you've listened to for a long time and they're going to talk about sex, then it's like I get it. You want to hear what they have to say about it. Something scandalous. I mean, there are creeps and pervs out there. People still contacting you about the, uh, you know, farting into the jar like the to... <laughs> Did you see that by the way? That stupid 90 day fiance woman. I finally did. So while I was watching that season, um, that fart thing was happening and you had said how much you hate her. And I didn't realize that that was the same person. And then it made sense because she seems like she's fake. Oh yeah. She's totally full of herself and pretends that she's not like when I say stupid, I do think that she is, well, maybe she's smart, but I think she's very stupid. (laughs) I don't like Um, her. I don't, she really like her either. She was, she really, uh, really lied about who she was to that poor Australian chick. Oh yeah. And then was jealous, lied, misrepresented herself, misrepresented, then jealous, started fights, but was able to twist them so that she was the victim in them. Yeah. I came all this way. and Like I really, yeah, I don't like her, but apparently she was making a lot of money selling her farts and jars. Whether or not you believe that, I don't know, but I do know that there are people out there um, who want things like that. Are they, yeah. are there large numbers of those people? Maybe not, <laughs> but you've had the requests. So that's why I'm asking. No, not a fart. I've never had someone, anyone ask me to fart in a jar. They just want your feet. Yeah. Do they want clothing? Has anyone ever asked you for clothing? No. Mm-mm. No clothing. What would that mean? Like to buy me clothing or to request my clothing, like underwear? Yeah, request it. Something you've I sell worn. somebody my underwear. No problemo. <laughs> yeah, what's the price for something like that? I don't know. What are the about the people who want you to wear it for a week straight? Ew, that I wouldn't do that just for my health. <laughs> also, yeah, that's pretty disgusting. That's gross. Yeah, I would like wear them. I would like work out in them or something, you know, for you, and then sweat up a storm in them and then send them if that's what you wanted but i wouldn't wear them straight and get like a yeast infection all right so this is an episode where we're marketing these possible services that you'll provide because you're desperate for money um please not desperate uh i could use some money <laughs> desperate for money i'm certainly not desperate but if i could um supplement some income uh, in in such a easy way that I don't feel degraded by you know like it, it's not like I have to cry and take off my shirt in front of a camera and like yeah you know, nothing like that so I don't feel any worse about it it's mostly like 
sucker. <laughs> Buy this stupid thing. I mean, I'm not going to, which is a, fr- a new phrase I've heard recently, which is I'm not going to yuck your yum. <laughs> what? Have you heard that? No. Like, because you don't want to, you don't want to sort of give the idea that someone's thing that they really enjoy is yucky or gross. So you don't want to yuck their yum. Oh, where did this come from? I think the kink community becoming more open and I guess out in the open. I mean, that's fine. I just don't like the actual phrasing of it itself. It does seem sort of um, uh, infantile or like uh, childish. Don't yuck my yum. Yeah, it sounds like a toddler saying something. So I'm not really into it. Well, the way that we speak is just, I mean, I'm not perfect or anything, but uh, and I know the comparison has been made before, but the uh, those letters from the Civil War, like written by <laughs> seventeen year olds who have like barely any education, are like dearest Martha, <laughs> you know, my fortnight here on the battlefield has been nothing short of. It's just like nowadays, be like, OMG, this fucking sucks. Get me the fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> Yeah, but there's no a fine poetry to any language anymore. There's a fine line. There are people who allow a certain type of language on the internet in written form, but if you bring it to actual speech, they really judge you. Yeah, for sure. Sometimes I do it. Sometimes I I question whether I should put this um type of wording in a text just because I know it's right. But I think, oh, it does kind of seem pretentious or something. But I do it anyway because I'm like, no, but that's right. I'm not going to do something wrong just because it get judged as too good (laughs) you know i still stick to proper grammar punctuation and all my written correspondence and i refuse to change and i won't change and i know at some point as i continue to age and less and less people do that it's going to be a very old person thing to do Mm. to include like commas and right forms of there maybe yes yeah I refuse. Look, I've spent a decent amount of time learning the language and trying to implement it correctly and, you know, giving that up to me. It's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And I see the value in it also of keeping it that way. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's probably privileged. You were able to learn the, the language. You weren't <laughs> struggling to find food to put in your mouth. So therefore, how dare you? It's just you flaunting your privilege. <laughs> I guess. Does, what, does anybody make that argument? I'm sure somebody somewhere does. If you have any skill, uh, there's, there's some people out there, if you have any right, skill, yeah. well, you were lucky enough to have the time to learn that skill. Yeah, I guess I was. Because I myself. <laughs> so if you, if the, if the person that you're referring to that didn't have time and, and somehow they did and they were privileged enough, to, are you saying that they also shouldn't use it? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, that's a stupid argument to make. I know what you mean. I don't know how to answer People that. People weren't, this person wasn't able to. And so you should not do it because it shows your privilege. It's like, all right, well, what if that person was able to? Are you saying that they now shouldn't? I think something like language, though, is language was tied to education and education wasn't as accessible to everyone. Not everyone yeah. had equal opportunities in education. So you taking your education and doing something with it and fighting against what came out of the lack of education mm. means that you're a piece of shit. That's basically what's being said. Okay. And, you know, as a person who shuns education, like I like learning and I think it's important, but formal education for the most part, especially after uh, high school, I think is a waste of time. 
So I'm not even a person who advocates it. Pending. Yeah. But then also, you know, you have the flip side, the same people who will shit on you for taking advantage of your education, then go on to say how important education is and that the college experience and the education you get there is really what prepares you for the world. So I I think the people that are shunning you would also be the person who are proponents for higher education. Well, here's the thing. Nobody's shunning me. I think no one's actually. You're right. I don't know why we're even talking about. What are we talking about? What's the topic? No one's outwardly (laughs) shunned me, but in my mind somewhere, this can lead into the topic because I create these scenarios in my mind of things that look again, I can real in today's climate. I can see what I just described about using language properly because what is proper and who set what's proper Uh, anyway was a bunch, you know, we can really get deep. Yeah, we can get really deep into it, but um, you know, while I do find that to be a situation that's realistic and could happen. And I'm sure somebody has actually said exactly what we said right here. For the most part, I've never experienced it. Not even for the most part, take that out. I've never experienced it. Like it hasn't presented (laughs) itself in my life personally, but in my head, this is happening. There are these people that exist and the topic for today uh, I, I wrote you and I said, failure, I'm going to talk about failure. And you said, well, that's too fatalistic. I don't want to talk about failure. How about, no, no, no. I just said, I didn't, I thought maybe we should word it differently in the description of the episode. Yeah. You want so to, the people aren't like, oh boy, here comes Greg. He's just going to complain about something. You wanted to say dealing with failure. Yeah. How we deal with failure. Oh, here's how I deal with failure. Okay, I avoid here, it. Here we go. <laughs> I avoid it. I've decided I'm going to avoid anything that could set me up for failure again in my life. There's certain things that are already in motion that could provide failure relationships job. But from here on out, nothing new is going to be introduced because I, uh, you know, I've, I've dabbled in this for quite a while is taking pictures with film. And there was a long time. I just stopped doing it because it became the cliche hipster thing to do. Everyone was walking around with their film camera 35 millimeter film and taking it was really popular for a while. Everybody was getting like from hipsters to like stay at home moms. They were go- dabbling in photography. Yeah. And I stayed away from it for quite a while, but I think it's, it's toned down a bit. Um, where, you know, reentering is fine because everyone just does it on their phone now because they need the instant results. There are still people who prefer analog and you know, that's fine. It just doesn't seem to be a trend at this point is what I'm saying mm-hmm. as, as much as it used to be. So I started taking pictures again and I get the film developed and the pictures don't come out. You know, I 36 exposure roll of film though. The, the most recent one I got back probably had, I don't know, nine pictures that were good in it and the rest mm-hmm. were underexposed. So they were dark or they were blurry because I was trying to compensate with a longer shutter, but I don't have a tripod and you know, there are rules for lighting in film and what it can handle in the different ISOs of film. We don't have to get into all the technical aspects in any great detail, but there, you know, there's something to learn and that's the appeal to it. In theory, there's something to learn. It's like, wow, I need to understand uh, the balancing act between the aperture and the shutter speed and then the ISO of the film and then using the available light. How much light is available? Yeah, the light meter. Yeah, and, and you know, I know that a longer shutter speed requires a tripod but in my mind it's like no i'm steady enough and i'm going to take these pictures 
And so I take all these pictures and the ones with the longer shutter speeds come out blurry. No surprise. Or the times I think, no, uh, well, to compensate for the possibility of blurriness, I'm going to use a shutter speed that's faster than I know is better than or faster than is uh, ideal for these light conditions. And yet I get the pictures and they're underexposed and dark and I'm pissed off. And then going to the idea that forms in my head, you know, I think about taking the film in, the people working at the developing place. I walk up, they think, oh, look at this hot shot. Look at this piece of shit. This guy thinks he's so fucking great. And then they see my pictures and then they see that they suck and they get a good laugh out of it. And because they've prescribed me these character traits that are unappealing, then they feel as though that they're the ones who get to put me in my place. And I feel like a fucking moron because I can't properly take pictures and it spirals. So the, yeah, the, this is all anxiety. So the failure of taking these pictures, like really put me in a bad it's, mood. Yeah. It's like catastrophizing. You're constantly thinking of the worst things. And is that to prepare you for when they're bad or like if things go badly? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it's for. Yeah. I don't understand what the point of it is. Really what I have no fucking clue. This is where medicine. No. For you would help quiet. Listen, it would help quiet down those feelings so that you could continue because now what's happening, right? Is that they didn't come out the way that you thought they would. And now it's now it's like, why even try? I'm not going to do that again because that was too painful to feel or that was. Yeah, that was too difficult to feel. Whereas. You know, if you if you had some medicine that would quiet down all those thoughts that you just said, you'd be able to be like, well, that was my first try and I should keep going because maybe I'll get, uh, you know, maybe I should get a tripod, <laughs> you know, or like who's hey, going to lug around a tripod. Give me a break. I'm not lugging around a tripod. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree with that. Or but if you had one, maybe you've had, maybe you've had like a little one, you know, like one of those little ones, those little like weird octopus looking bulbous <laughs> things, but whatever, just something. If it, what I'm what I'm trying to say is that it would quiet those voices down so that you could continue to get better. It would make the failure feel less heavy. Yeah, I they what's really a play. I we can analyze that and break that down all day, but the result is, and I'm not going to give up. I really am not. But there is oh, okay. like an instant change in mood. Like I get these pictures back. And part of it's ridiculous because I do understand the basics and the rules of shooting on film. Mm -hmm. And I've decided to flaunt those rules and say, fuck them. I'm going to do it my way. And when it doesn't work out, what do I expect? It's like it's an unrealistic expectation. And part of that may be uh, based in a fear of doing it the proper way and not getting the intended Uh results. I've, you know, look. Right. So this is like a built in way for you to be okay with failing because it's like well what else would you expect i i guess and you know yeah, because if you did everything right quote right and things still didn't turn out the way you wanted then it would be on you that you failed and not the shutter speed or the aperture or the whatever. i can i can blame the rule makers at this point how dare you and you know this is a completely technical and chemical process so things <laughs> do have it's not it's it, it's rude there's a creative element to it but there yeah. is something that really needs it's like building a building while skirting the architectural plans and <laughs> when it falls getting angry 
about it. It's yeah. it's a stupid expectation to have. Um, but I'm using this as an example because it made me think of the times I failed in my life and how, you know, this is a very low stakes thing, taking pictures. And maybe that's part of the reason I'll try it again. But, uh, you know, over the course of my life, how many things have I tried that have made me feel bad and uncomfortable when they didn't go properly and then I just never tried it again or led me to avoid completely because I like writing yeah I mean I know the spiral that comes into play and the truth is this last time I spiraled for a bit not that long it didn't it didn't eat at me for days so there's progress being made okay. um, that's good because you're in the about these photographs that you're talking about yeah again very low stakes one of, one of the interesting things I'll bring up with the photographs is usually I don't take pictures of people at all. I take pictures of buildings or different perspectives, like things of like points of detail. And I prefer to remove all human element, though I like human creation. So I guess that's the contrast I'm going for things people built. So it's not nature photography, but it's, you know, mm-hmm. signs of humanity without the people themselves in it. But this oh, role, yeah. this uh-huh. role of film, you know, when you do that kind of photography, whatever, I can go back out and try to get the same pictures again and try again. Um, this time, and this is also a new camera that I was working with. This is, well, it's an old camera, but it's a new old camera. For me, it's new. And I so it's like I was trying to learn a new camera too at the same time. But I took pictures of my nephew and niece at Christmas and I took a picture of my friend Matt and when I went to Maine recently, I took pictures of people there and... You know, these are moments that cannot be recreated. Mm. So I felt as though missing out on them. That was really disappointing for me. And also some OCD stirred up where I felt, oh, because I screwed up these pictures. Now bad things are going to happen to these these people. Ooh, ooh, interesting. (laughs) That's a whole other thing. But I think, think, you know, some of that is tied into failure, or at least the way I deal with failure, because – there's certainly this OCD element to it where the spiraling itself is this compulsive, obsessive thing, which is, you know, just a child's way of dealing with anxiety in life. OCD, I guess it set in for me pretty young in a traditional way where I would do things like I have to flip the pillow six times or else my parents are going to die. Or if I'm, you know, was watching TV and I was on channel six and I wanted to go to channel five, I couldn't just go to five. I had to go to four and then back up to five else, you know, we were moving backwards. Moving backwards isn't good. I don't, you know, what are the real world repercussions? Nothing. Oh my God. So, but, but I, your parents know about that? No, no, no. But I pushed this away. Like I pushed that down in that traditional way of dealing with the obsessive thinking OCD, like it, it, it went away, but it didn't go away is what I'm saying. Obviously no, it manifests. You, you repackaged it. Yeah. It manifests in different ways. And, uh, no, you know, if you read about OCD, it is, it's interesting. It's like a child who decides, okay, I'm at the point in my life where I'm going to start handling things on my own for whatever reason. And they don't feel as though that there are people around you know that can help them or will help them or they just don't want the other people to help them so you you create these very strange structures um greg felt out of control (laughs) well the fact that i took these pictures now i'm worried that the people who came out blurry (laughs) or underexposed are going to have bad things happen is 
completely ridiculous. Um, you know, there's times I didn't even fail in my life where I just assigned failure to it. One of the examples we've talked about quite a bit is when I first moved to New York and did the show, uh, you know, on Maxim mm-hmm. Radio on Sirius Satellite Radio, where I hosted a two-hour talk show that I'd never, I'd never hosted talk radio before. And I had to do it alone. Uh, and I prepared some material, but I was nervous. Um, the material I blew through quickly. The board op refused to come on the air with me, left me hanging. So I had nothing for an hour. And I just had to scramble and make stuff up. And there was a guitar in the studio. I remember I have no clue how to play the guitar. And I just, I don't know what the fuck I did. Like I went into a zone and afterwards. Just pressed the gas and didn't look back. Yeah. And afterwards I felt so awful that I went home and just beat the shit out of myself. Like you fucking piece of shit. You think you have the talent to do this. You suck. And, you know, the email from the program director comes through and I refuse to open it. I just don't even Mm -hmm. open the thing. And months later, I decide, okay, I get drunk. (laughs) Not to open it. I am drunk and I remember. It's like, okay, I'm going to open this now. Okay. And it was pretty, you know, the the message was, hey, that wasn't so bad. You've never done this before. Um, Obviously, you know, there are things to work on, but let's do that. And this was like four months after the fact. And so I wrote back. I'm like, oh, hey, totally missed this somehow. <laughs> Never heard back from the program director. Like that was, uh, the, that was the end of it. Uh, and that was, you know, that's a failure that was wholly uh, prescribed. It didn't come from someone else. But there's such shame mm-hmm. in this idea that's not based in reality that comes along with it. Oh, the program director listened and he's like, what the fuck is this? And I know, I know how bad it is. I don't need you to tell me how bad it is. I'm already punishing myself for it. So therefore I'm not, But you had no idea what it was. You had no idea what, what that person was saying. No. So, you know, the failure for me has always been the failure itself is not the problem. And the truth is when I'm faced with an actual failure, I do, move through it and it's not as bad as I think it's going to be, Mm -hmm. but quite often the idea of what it's going to be is worse than what it actually is. Or even with these pictures, when I am faced with the failure of it, it's like, okay, so what? No one cares. It's not that big of a deal. And you can just try to do it again and continue to get better at it. You feel this way now, or you're saying that's what you want to think? Well, I'm saying that that's the reality of it. I see. Uh-huh. But then the spiral that comes along with it is the yeah. thing that I'm trying to avoid. So, you know, what I'm saying is the failure itself isn't even the bad part. It's the part that I, the thing I do to myself after the fact, or the thought of what failure would be like, that is much worse than it actually is. And despite this knowledge, despite this, uh, you know, it's a real deterrent because it gets tiring. It gets tiring beating yourself up. I'm sure it does. That's why you don't really have to do it. It's well, not real. You're creating it out of nothing. Well, as I get, you know, better at these things, I do move through it quicker and quicker. And I think that's, you know, what this film thing, these photos illustrated. It's like, okay, there was right. a, there was a little bit of it, but I got through it. I still don't like it. And I still think of situations where things matter well, a bit more. Well, higher. You're disappointed too. Yeah, you're disappointed. There's a disappointment, and there's you know 
things that have higher stakes that certainly mean more than this. And that's a daunting idea, but the same thing happened, I guess, when I did improv, right? Like I, I blew that scene with the person mm. and to this day, the person who, uh, we were, the, the, the setting was the Renaissance fair and for whatever reason, and there's nothing wrong with this. The scene partner said, wear my bird suit today. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, d- didn't wear mine and completely killed the scene <laughs> as a person who was on stage for the first time. Yeah, you know, there's this, of course you made a mistake. <laughs> That's all right. And got nervous and I hate being on stage. So all these things should say, okay, you know what? You look at that. You had two scenes. One scene was good and one you fucking bombed. That's yeah. fine. But no, never doing this again. I'm, and and there, it's still a point of shame to this day where if I think about it, I can really just get so embarrassed that I want to hide. Yeah. I mean, I, I think what you're talking about, I mean, nobody would want to go through that, right? It's it's not, you're not crazy or, or mentally ill because <laughs> you want to avoid discomfort, right? But there has to be some give and take when it comes to something like that because you aren't going to start something that you don't have a lot of practice in and just be really good at it. You have to give yourself some forgiveness or like leeway to say, Oh, you know why, you know why these pictures didn't turn out was because I don't do this very often and I don't have the right equipment even to really pull off some of the things I was trying to pull off. So next time, you know, like, hey, I think it's cool that you got nine out of the <laughs> pile. It's pretty good. Yeah, there's some because, decent I mean, ones. I, I, um, this is not the same, but kind of the same. Um, I just got these, um, fake nails that I put on myself and to make them fit properly, like, and be the right length, I cut them and I had to file them. And I didn't do a good job at filing them. Like some of them have like a weird shape now and I don't like the way they look from the side or whatever. Uh, and some of them were popping off because I didn't put enough glue on the bottom. Anyway, the point is, is I had a little bit of that obsessive thing where it's like, oh, I have to take them all off and redo them. And like, and, and like, oh, I should get a new set, like a new box of them so I can do it right and they could look better on my nails. And I was like, just relax. You've never put nails on before. This is going to be the first time you did it and you're going to make mistakes and that's how you're going to learn. And I said, oh, okay. Yeah, but people are going to see you on the street and they're going to say, look at this moron who doesn't know how to put on these nails. What a fucking idiot this person is. And if they think that, I don't hear it. So it has, it's none of my business. If they say it to me, A, they're assholes. And two, I'll tell them like, oh yeah, it was my first time I ever did it. So they're a little funky. The end. Yeah, but they're going to tell their friends and there's going to be a party and they're going to say, think about this idiot, this moron that I came across today. You should have seen her press on nails. It was the worst thing I've ever fucking seen. And they're going to have a good. All right. Uh, my my response to that is I totally get it. I love to talk shit. So enjoy talking shit. <laughs> and two, uh, I don't know about it. So it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, but just the thought, yeah. just the okay. thought of it happening. Yeah, the thought of it doesn't bother me. And maybe that's because I'm on meds. I mean, look and at this. And who could live this nice life also? No, no, no. It'll take my personality away. No, it sure wouldn't. It would make your personality look come out. Look at this picture. Oh, that's cool no, but it's because it's my friend Matt in the diner. <laughs> and I know the rules of photography. He's in front of the he's window. Too dark. So yeah. he's backlit. And I know that he's not going to come out. But I took the picture. I'm like, that's fine. 
It's still going it looks to work. Cool though. Yeah, but it's too hard to to see. Yeah, can't see it. Yeah. Now something bad's going to happen to him. He'll be in his truck, and you know, there'll be some kind of look at this. Here's You're my, like an indigenous. Is my niece underexposed because oh, yeah. it's too dark in the room? Isn't it the indigenous people of like Australia that think if like when their pictures taken, it takes a piece of their soul? <laughs> that's interesting like to me that makes photography even more interesting than i'm capturing someone's soul Uh and i'm trapping it in this still image i kind of like that idea i can like that tribal brain i can understand yeah why why people would avoid (laughs) having their photos taken primitive people's way of thinking look at this cool guy smoking a cigarette that looks cool. That's one of the nine that came out. All right. Good job. Yeah. Look at this other guy. When I went on this main trip, everyone was smoking cigarettes. Ew, why is everybody smoke? <laughs> I think, I, I I don't know if they were regular smokers all the time, but oh. it was like, hey, when in Maine. You know, I, I was going to go out with this guy um, and I was excited. And then I was showing him to my friend and then I looked on his profile and noticed that he smoked, like the thing says like, under cigarettes or whatever it says yes and i was like oh no so i texted him and i was like hey i was looking at your profile again and do you smoke cigarettes he's like yeah is that a deal breaker i was like kind of that's a shame why is that a deal breaker that's what my friend michelle said she's like i smoked when i met my husband and he didn't like it but i was like i just <laughs> it's a deal breaker for me and i i, I don't want to kiss that mouth and I don't want to smell like cigarettes after we've been together. And even if you don't smoke around me, it's still going to be on you. It's going to be all over you. And then when I leave you, I'm going to have that smell and I want to smell the man and like have like a <sighs> feeling of like smelling the dude. Not, and I don't want that to include smoke, cigarette smoke. I guess it's nostalgic for me. I think of the times when I would smoke myself and, dated people who smoked they don't mind it Ew. but i get it i understand it is yeah i felt bad for having such a strict thing but maybe i shouldn't well he I probably feel... yeah all right that's he fine probably... you know i said unless you want like a fun time gal to hang out with we could still talk about star wars and then he unmatched me damn well you rejected <laughs> him you know there's well, th- there is that one thing people aren't gonna date me because i have kids so that's fine everyone's allowed to have a thing yeah you rejected him and i guess you know, to tie it into our topic, but try to not do it too heavy handedly. You know, there is a failing aspect to that. Sure. Um, do you I, think I was harsh the way I said that? No, I mean, whatever you, you know what you want when it comes to that. And if it's a deal I mean, breaker, he asked, to, is this a deal breaker? Yeah. Then yeah. Why would you lie? If it's a deal breaker, it's a deal breaker. We can argue the merits of it. Should it be a deal breaker all day? But, right. You know, also I don't think there's any right or wrong answer. If you don't like it, then sure. It's very fair. If a guy had like five kids, I think that might be a deal breaker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's too many kids. Yeah, which is understandable. It's also depending on what the person would want. I do, I, you know, when we talk about this, it's interesting because you could say that I failed many times over <laughs> at relationships. <laughs> right. But that's never deterred me for whatever reason from trying again. Or I don't, it doesn't affect me the same way. Yeah. I mean, there's some. Because you're a man? I don't know. I mean, there's certain behaviors and things I did 
at times, I guess, in relationships that I think back on and that bothers me. But overall, it's like, all right, well, that just didn't work. Do you mean how it failed is different for you? What do you mean? Because it's because it wasn't just you trying to do something. It also included another person. So maybe it doesn't feel as much as a failure on your part. Possibly. But if we're being honest about many of the relationships, it was my fault. Mm. Uh, going back, especially because there were people who tried. And I just wasn't giving them anything. Yeah. But that doesn't. Yeah, I don't ruminate on that as much hmm. which is interesting i don't know it's not something i thought about or things like i don't know i moved to new york and that was a big risk and i could have had to come slinking back to atlanta well that's why you won't leave new york is because it will be perceived as a failure i don't think after 15 years it's perceived as a failure anymore not by others but by you you be like i was one of the people that moved out just like everybody else who moves no that's true like if i'm if right if I had to leave and I didn't want to, if I ever got to the point where it's like, fuck this place, I'm done with it. Then that's a different thing. Oh, okay. But see, I, I, I kind of assumed that even if you felt like, fuck this place, I'm over it. You still wouldn't leave because you wouldn't want to be perceived as the people who leave. Yeah. Well, I think that's the big thing is the perception. That's the part that doesn't fucking matter. And that's the part that needs to be let go. That's the part that doesn't matter. And that's the part that matters the most. Well, yes, you. exactly. That's the part that drove and has driven most of this yeah uh and it doesn't matter Mm -mm. and that's the contrast between the two um leaving new york yeah i guess if if i felt it personally i don't think at this point anyone would perceive it after you know so many years maybe they would um but i guess if i had moved here and a year or two or even five years in things weren't working out I don't care. I would have stayed. I would have lived in absolute poverty and done whatever I needed to do to stay here. And if you look back on the history, a lot of it is rooted in, I don't know, that's just the way people live in New York. Like when I had that really shitty apartment on Sullivan Street. It's like, I don't know, that's just the way people live. But the truth is, living like that for seven years (laughs) and the amount of money I was making and... uh, yeah, it's, it's not a struggle that most people probably would have wanted to go through. Right. And maybe they would have left. And I'm not saying that makes me better or not better. It's just the, an illustration of stubbornness. And in certain situations, and if I really do want something bad enough that I have it in me to make it work. And again, despite this knowledge, there are many things I will avoid because of, yes, the, the absolute fear of the failure, even if it's not rooted in any kind of reality, which is completely asinine. So if you developed those pictures yourself and you got the same results as you did here, would you feel as much of, uh, of the failure or is it the fact that the idea of you walking in and then the people who know about (laughs) photography more than like, it's a good question. Um, I think the weird OCD thing where I was worried about the people that I can, that's a separate thing. I just threw that in there uh-huh. because it is. Okay. Uh, well, it's part of it, right? It's part of it. But also I can like kind of dismiss that a little more quickly. It's just interesting okay. to me that it pops up, that it even enters my mind. I don't no. sit there. I don't sit there and worry about that part of it. Okay. It's just 
enters my mind and then it's gone, but it probably dissipates into the rest of this. But no, totally. If I was developing these myself and printing them and they weren't good, yeah, I would feel completely fine about it because nobody else saw it and nobody else had to see <laughs> the failure. Right. Because I could hide it. I could keep it a secret. It's like, oh, well, those just didn't come out and nobody ever has to see these. And I can take the ones that look good, put those out, and then I'll go out and try again. But that's a big, big element of it is that I had to go into this place and talk to the person. And then I even said something before I left. So guys, oh, I'm no. trying, trying with a new camera. They probably all like, they don't remember that. <laughs> You're setting up some future failure. <laughs> oh, it's a new camera. Yes. If this wasn't a new camera, boy. I'd have the best pictures in town. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then so much of that is based in what I would do if I were the person who worked at the film lab is in my mind when we're talking about when the film photography took off and you know make a comeback I should say and there were all these people doing it and so many of them seemed to have an attitude or a chip on their shoulder about it and I don't even know if that's like the high percentage of them it could just be like I saw a few people and assign that to everyone who was taking pictures with a film camera. Right. But in my mind, it's like, okay, you're a pretentious asshole. So if I was working in the film lab, I would carry that thought with me. Anyone who brought film in, I would judge, even though I was also working <laughs> in the same thing. And then when their pictures didn't come out, I would take such great joy in it. And I would hand it over and feel wonderful to think that that person sucked. <laughs> so I think... I'm living in a world where everyone is me and I am not, you know, the, the most respectable person. I don't think that you would do that. I think that you, because if you allowed yourself to go through the process of sucking at first and making progress, you would develop someone's film like yours and say, oh, I've been there. Case by case. Yes. Like, oh, I could see he was trying to do something interesting. That sucks that these didn't come out. It's true. I hope he knows about Aperture or whatever the fuck. It's true. On a broad level, when I deal with people, I assign these nasty things to them. But on an individual yeah. level, when I talk to a person, I'm very easy to win over and I give people too much leeway. Like the oh, person, too much leeway? Yeah, like the person who went to jail for selling meth and who oh. would borrow money from me because electricity was going out. And I knew he was spending his money on drugs and that's why his electricity went out but he had a wife and a kid and uh did the money even go to the power bill was the power bill a lie i don't know um but then he would pay me back by adding hours to my paycheck because he was in a position where he could do that so he was in essence stealing from the company we were working for to pay me back you know i put an end to that i said don't look if i give you money don't fucking do it that way like you mm -hmm. pay me back. And then I think he just started, you know, he put his wife on the payroll or something that would pay me out of that. But at that point I turned a blind eye. Point is all this behavior, it's unacceptable. Uh -huh. um, but I always gave him a pass because I saw something he wrote once and I thought it was good and thoughtful. Oh, because, oh. And I was like, well, man. And, and I tried to be compassionate because he was an addict himself. And I tried to be compassionate about that. But it's like, there was a lot of sleazy behavior that at some point it's like, no. And if I'd never seen that thing he had written, 
because mm-hmm. knowing there was something inside where he thought about this and he was self-aware, I, you know, I would have shut it down way before. I was like, I don't know. There's something decent in that guy. So you're right. If someone came in and they, they turned over their roll of film, I wouldn't laugh. If they no. came in, if they came in and acted like a jerk, then sure. Yeah, but you would do that with anybody. Don't you think? Yeah. You're like, oh, maybe even if the pictures were good, you'd be like, oh, you're taking a picture of a building? How novel. Like, I, you'd still be shitty about them. I guess That's the because thi- they were being shitty. I guess the thing is, I really buy into this idea that we live in a world where other people revel in failure. Not their own, but others. <laughs> they love it. They see someone else try something and fail, and they fucking love it, and they eat it up. And it becomes, you know, you're the butt of the joke. I'm sure that 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 does exist, but those people are jerks. And so why would I, why do you spend time thinking about them? Because it, uh, it's something I don't feel prepared to properly deal with. It's like if you actually. If somebody laughed at you and gave you back your pictures. I would feel and very sad. I'd be like, what did I do? I was just trying to do this thing. Right. And so. And if they laughed an at me. To make them feel that way. If they laughed at me, it would crush me. I mean, not to say I wouldn't also be upset by that. But eventually I'll be like, fuck them. They're assholes. Like, I'm new. I mean, you're right. You're, it's giving right. other people way too much power. Yeah. And it's also living in, you know, a hypothetical. And I think that's the division when I talk about being able to deal with failure, but not being able to deal. The spiral, yes, does come from this idea of other people who, who saw it, who witnessed the failure and now are having a good laugh about it mm-hmm. and telling a tale at a party and everyone's just fucking throwing insults around <laughs> and having a grand old time with it. Yeah. As you sit there, happening. as you sit there, you're like, I'm just, I was just trying. I don't know. Right. <laughs> so I'm not going yeah. to try in the, in the future. <laughs> I mean, does that really make you feel like you're not, I mean, you are going to continue, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll continue. I will. Good. I also have to, you know, the other part of it that we established was, this idea that I like to skirt the rules and I like to say fuck you to the rules, which is childish. Well, and I mean, right. and, uh, no, I, I understand maybe the, the sort of reason why you're saying that, but I think also, oh, you know what it is? Okay. Cause my first thought was, yeah, breaking the rules can sort of lead to something. Um, can, can yield a result that you weren't expecting like a happy accident, you know? Um, but I think the, what you have to do really is learn the rules so that you can break them. I mean, you could, I think what you're trying to do is like accidentally make something uh, good out of something bad. Whereas when you learn all the rules and you've, and you uh, not perfect them, but get really proficient at them, uh, then that's when you can break the rules to do something interesting. Agreed. There's also, you know, in, in taking these pictures in a way that I knew may or may not come out. I think I was testing the waters too, to see what mm. I could get. Well, that's good. But I also did it with, you know, with these pictures that were moments in time that couldn't be recreated 
It's like, why did I, you know, there's, I guess there's a bit of disappointment too on my end where it's like, why did I decide to do it with these? I should have, Oh, I see. I should have done yeah. it other times. Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, part of, part of, uh, being creative sometimes is risk. And as long as it can be done in secret, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, uh, yes, that's the big thing. And vulnerability you're putting your stuff to to be creative isn't always some like quiet secret process it is showing it to someone where someone sees it and then that puts you in a vulnerable position because it could be subjective and someone could say it's not good well i guess the truth is at this point not doing things will turn to regret in the past there was always enough time to procrastinate it's like, eh, whatever. I'm young enough. There's plenty of time. And now it's like, eh, I'm still, I'm not old by any means, but yeah. it's like, okay, well, that excuse doesn't work as much anymore. So now it's time to actually start doing things because I'm well aware that if I don't try things, then I will have regrets at some point. Yeah. And the truth is with my pictures, not to brag, I do have plenty of good pictures and mm -hmm. I'm full of myself enough that I've put some on the wall. Oh. That there's some framed and hanging on the wall um that's good it's just that the percentage is currently low anyway we didn't talk about think, any of uh, your failures uh well plenty outside of, of failures. your outside of your nails <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh plenty of failures but um i i really feel like those improv classes did the opposite of what it did for you, which was made me way more comfortable and, and sort of um, gave me sort of a new metric on what is failing, you know, because the whole, a lot of the, a lot of what I got from improv classes was that it's not always going to work. And when it doesn't work, it's gone and it's gone. There's nothing you can do about it. Let's go again. And it was almost like a conditioning or um, what is that called when you have a, like a fear and they sh exposure therapy. It was, it was almost like an exposure therapy. Um, and especially like seeing people in the class that weren't interested in getting into improv, but were very shy um, and had a new position at work and had to start doing uh, presentations and things. And they were, you know, they were nervous and shy and whatever. And that's why they were taking the class. It gave me a new perspective of like, oh, their fear is way more than mine. So I should just press the gas and go and just fuck it up. Or maybe not, you know? And when I did mess it up, I did think about it afterwards. Like, ugh, blech. <laughs> you know, but then I was like, well, that's gone. It's gone. Bye-bye. I didn't kill it. No one was harmed by my mistake. So it's fine. Yeah. Can you imagine if someone was harmed by a failure? <laughs> I would Oof. never. Like a surgeon or something. I could never get into a profession like that. Yeah. I think about the stakes. It's like, yeah, I mean, the things we're talking about, it's a joke compared to some of the, the stakes that are out there. <laughs> think about people who are like separating conjoined twins and they're in eight hours of surgery trying to like dissect the the best way to separate this liver or something and if they don't then the kid without the right parts of their liver are gonna die 
Like, what it's, kind of I mean, pressure? there are instances where they even know the percentages are stacked against them. Like, all right, I mean, the chances of this being successful are low, but the people involved who are allowed to make the choices have made the choices to move forward. Like, that's yeah. that's why. I think those people are so proficient with what they're doing and have so much practice that they know that they're going to do it properly. They just don't know if it's going to work. Well, if it doesn't work, that's why they come off as so cold. I'm like, well, because... I guess you have to be able to compartmentalize it like that because right. Like I did things properly. Something that big would eat away. Like the fact that this yeah. little stuff eats away at me. Could you imagine that if you're in that spot and like somebody's life ended, you would kill yourself. I would. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to, I would, but that's why those people come off as cold, but I get it. They have to be able to just compartmentalize and it's probably not that they're cold, but you can't spend any time doing that because again, you, you have to go do it again. And if you start getting in your head, you know, then yeah. you put other people at risk. So, you know, all this stuff is pretty trivial compared to mm -hmm. some of the other things. And, you know, when, when we talk about, yeah, I haven't written because I'm scared. It's like, sure. It sounds <laughs> fucking stupid. See, that's what I mean. Like, I don't, I'm not trying to push medicine, but the, I, I was talking about it recently, but the medication that, you know, that you could take or that I am taking is it really does help sort of just quiet down those things and just makes things roll off water off, water off a duck's back. You know what I mean? A little bit easier so that you can just continue a little bit more um, than you would before because the, the thoughts of like everything we're talking about would just not be there. Yeah. And I'm not really opposed. And I've taken yeah. Prozac in the past. Yeah. Um, because I know You're throughout a different place now. Well, I know throughout this episode, you, I'm like no, and part I of know. it's just <laughs> for effect because I'm I'm not opposed, and I know that it helps a lot of people. I guess where I am at this point is like just try to figure it out without that, and then if I need Steve, it, this is like you trying to take pictures without the tripod. You need the tripod. No, I don't know yet because there's still progress being made. We talk about this, and it's not That's true. Not as bad as it it was in the past. Um. You know, the scalding has been brought down a bit, <laughs> quite a bit. How often? To how often? I don't know. Probably haven't had a embarrassing thought in the shower in a while. Not one that is required. The scald. Yeah, the scald. So that's pretty good. I, I fail with my kids all the time. But I also succeed a lot. And when I do fail, uh, like, okay, so recently I had my kids for a billion week, for a billion days. I had them from January 7th until January 18th um, alone. You know, I felt guilty about being excited about them going, you know, and getting a break. And then I remembered like, no, I'm doing this by myself. It's not like I, I uh, like somebody else to help me do it. Like I'm alone. So I was excited for them to go. But the day, uh, the night before, but it was their last night here. Um, and then I, when it gets to nighttime, it's like, I can see the goal line. I can see it ahead of me. The kids are going to go to bed and I can just relax, you know, um, or not even relax, but like clean the kitchen and straighten up the living room and get ready for bed and then relax in bed. You know what I mean? Like I still have things to do. So anyway, I'm seeing the end, the, 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 uh, the goal line ahead of me. And for some reason, sometimes that's when the kids get more wild is right before bed. And then they start getting along and playing nicely together. Um, and it makes me insane because it's like I don't want to stop them because they're finally like not, you know, Elliot's not 
arguing with Pete about being in her fort. Like she wants him in the fort and they're having a fun time, but it's like eight 30 and it's like, please, I gotta get you to bed. Um, so I have to stop that. And then I have to tell him over and over to do the same things. Like get on your pajamas and brush your teeth. Blah, 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 blah. So I, I had just had enough one night and I barked at Ellie about something. And I knew that I had overreacted and I immediately was like, I'm sorry, Ellie. I'm sorry. I said, I am running on fumes. Do you know what that means? She's like, no. I was like, I, I'm out of gas. I am. Um, I'm, I'm, I've run out of gas. I'm a car on the side of the, and so, and then I made them laugh about that. But it was, it, my many failures up until maybe like a year and a half ago have led me to this point where when I do fail with them, I'm able to forgive myself almost right away and acknowledge the failure and just be like, wow, all right, I failed. My bad. <laughs> and then it takes all of the guilt out of it because I acknowledge it and I apologize for it and it's done. Whereas before I would hold on and hold on and hold on and hold on and like never freak out. And then once I did, it would explode and then I would feel so guilty and almost like mad at the kids for making me blow up that I wasn't in a place to be able to say like, I'm sorry to them. But now it's like I'm letting off the steam as I go. And but like I said, that's all from all of those failures and maybe the medicine <laughs> helping me. Um, but yeah, now I'm able to sort of recognize the failure and deal with it immediately so it doesn't grow like it has no time. There's no time for the seed to find purchase. So it's the same thing. It's just in a different arena mm -hmm. with me. I've always felt and obviously I'm not a parent, but I feel like with human relationships and interactions that it's already messy. And yeah, I guess there's not as much weight placed on perfection when it comes to it as like a creative endeavor with me. It's like there's it's fine. If relationships aren't perfect, like to me, it's like, good. right. That's acceptable for you because they aren't. And it's right. unrealistic. Whereas for me, I felt like, no, my relationships have to be kind of perfect. It's unrealistic. And I guess I've always understood that. And my biggest thing was having the trust that right. other people could also accept that um, in relationships. Because even, you know, thinking about how in my relationships in the past when I wasn't present or engaged with it, it was because I wasn't expressing things I wanted or needed because I just assumed the other person wouldn't understand. And they would think, oh, well, yeah. well, this means, you know, giving in and saying, whatever. People aren't going to ditch you if they're any decent human if you're not perfect or if you ask for things you want, even if it goes against the things that they want. And even if it disappoints them, most people are realistic and rational enough uh, to understand that. And then you just keep moving forward. And, you know, I, for whatever reason, I just never beat myself up over interpersonal relationships. But yes, there's this unreasonable desire for perfection when it comes to anything creative. Like that's like putting yourself out there. And the process, I don't like the process, I guess. Like you see everyone's final results. Anything 
that you right. use, you see and consume, you see the final result. And there was a whole messy, nasty process that led up to that. Right. That's like where people say, like, this performer or this artist came out of nowhere. Yeah. You and know, they've been around forever. And that, you know, the messiness, see it. the messiness of the process is what I'm not comfortable with. I don't like it. Yeah. And I don't want anyone to have insight to it, I guess. And the moment someone gets insight into the messiness, it's like, no, but this isn't, I'm still learning and trying. And this is, you know, being worked out. It's like, I, I can't stand it. Yeah. Which, whatever. That's what I got to focus on relationships be damned those are fine as long as you actually are engaged well, and try and apply the same logic and rules as you would a relationship to your creative endeavor well i think just the act of doing something creative in the first place takes you know means you have a sense of superiority and how dare i i'm just like those people who think they're better the ones i laugh at when they fail <laughs> all right well good luck yeah thanks Thanks for listening, everybody. Please like and subscribe, rate and review. Hey, if you want us to do more talk about uh, <laughs> and just like that, or maybe even 90 Day Fiance, I don't know. Let us know. See if, I don't know. Maybe you'd be interested. Let us know, please. Um, you can find us on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, and uh, please. It would be a separate. To, stop laughing at me. I'm, I'm trying to do I the outro. Like you just keep laughing at things I'm trying to say. I would like to say it would be separate. You want to do a separate show, not not incorporate it more into this show. Right. All of the and just like that talk. Yes, it would be a separate show. Okay. Um, but also, uh, please visit our sponsor, hoffandpepper.com. You can use our code one topic 15 to get 15% off some locally made hot sauce in Chattanooga. They have lots of products, so go check them out at hoffandpepper.com. One topic 15 for 15% off. Thank you. Goodbye.